Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening. I want to thank, first of all, the Convention Committee for giving us this opportunity to speak uh, this evening. And although it's all about uh, our call and the work a little bit in Japan that we're going to share this evening, we want to emphasize and want to remind you that it is all about Jesus and we want to give praise and glory to him because without him, missions is not uh, existing. So I pray for God's continued blessings upon you and your churches as you bless other parts of the world through praying and sending missionaries. May the Lord continue to raise up future generations of missionaries from this country to serve him at home here and overseas. Well, it is a great privilege to share this evening with Andrew White, also known as the weaker of Baghdad. Although it is a very different location, the war in Iraq reminds me of Cambodia's history during the Vietnam War. And then, under the Khmer Rouge regime, and the years known as the Killing Fields. About two million people were killed and died of starvation, and many more sent to forced labor with very little food. The two million that died is about the same as the current population of Northern Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. After the fall of the Khmer Rouge regime in 1979, Cambodia was under Vietnamese occupation until the earlier 90s. I was growing up in the 80s and witnessed how we Cambodians were trapped in the middle of the fighting between the Vietnamese-supported government and the Khmer Rouge troops along Thai border. Our freedom was very much restricted back then. People would be uh, arrested if they had any connection with the Western world. Anyone who had even studied uh, English or French language would be arrested, let alone those who have believed in Jesus or tried to spread the good news of Jesus. Because Christianity was viewed as a dangerous Western ideology, and those who believe in Jesus could be suspecting of being CIA spies. It was very hard to be a true follower of Jesus Christ and speak freely about him, and I grew up despising Christians too. Perhaps the fact that I'm a Christian today is the answer to the prayers of many people who prayed for Cambodia, especially for the peace, freedom, and salvation of Cambodian people. I learned after I became a Christian that many people around the world were praying while Cambodia went through years of war in the 1970s and 80s. Perhaps you were one of those who prayed. And I want to thank you for praying for my country and for people like me who have been saved and have come to follow Christ. Thank you. Cambodia is now a peaceful country, and people are given freedom to believe in any religion they choose, although Buddhism is constituted as the national religion. It has adopted a democratic system, having a general elections every five years. Cambodia has opened its door to the world and received aid from many international donors in order to rebuild its economy and infrastructure. And Japan, 
remains one of the largest donors. Cambodia also opens its door for the gospel during the 90s, and many missionaries and mission agencies are now serving the Lord there. The church is growing in numbers, although Cambodia still has the obvious need of any developing country. I grew up in a Buddhist culture like most, Cambodian, like most Cambodians and went to a primary school inside a Buddhist temple compound. My way of life and thinking were deeply influenced by Buddhist teaching. I always wanted to do good as much as I could in order to gain merit, enough merit to go to heaven, to paradise, which I knew. However, I frequently failed to do good and felt guilty as a result. I searched for spiritual help more after my mother fell ill when I was 12 years old, praying to ancestors at home and praying to Buddha and to other spiritual objects at the temple. In the process, in the process of searching for spiritual help, I have found a great treasure, the Lord Jesus Christ. This was through a missionary from the Philippines when I was studying at university in Cambodia back in 1997. Perhaps asking Jesus to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior was easy. But committing to follow Jesus and to serve him was more challenging. Many times I felt challenged to serve God and live my life for the Lord Jesus. And I believe it was God's call for me. First, to believe for myself and then to share good news of Jesus with my family and my, and my fellow world citizens. I am very thankful that through the work of the Holy Spirit, today my two sisters now follow Jesus and my mother believed in the Lord before she passed away about 10 years ago. We are still praying for the salvation of other family members. Before I left Cambodia 11 years ago, I was able to share good news of Jesus with many Cambodian students through student outreach ministry and with many farmers through working with Food for the Hungry for Food for the Hungry International for Cambodia. However, God gave me an opportunity to do postgraduate study in Japan. And I worship God at Sapporo International Church and help with the English Speakers Fellowship of the church. And there, guess what, you already were informed. I have found a second treasure. My beautiful wife from Northern Ireland. Proverbs 18.22 says, he finds wife finds what is good and receive favor from the Lord. Amen. Thank God for blessing me a good wife. <laughs> After Laura Jean and I got married, we continued to serve the Lord with OMF and Laura Jean uh, as a full member and me as an OMF partner before we returned to Northern Ireland in uh, 2009. So I could have uh, some uh, more Bible training. Having some experience in Christian ministry and left in Japan for about eight years, my worldview has been uh, broadened and I learned about the great need of Japan, something I never would have thought of. Many people in Japanese society have been impacted by mental illness and suicide is very common. And we knew about this already. But three months before we left Japan in 2009, the son of one of our close Japanese friends took his own life after a long period of depression. In the sad privilege of sharing their grief as this family opened up their life with us 
And as we are praying for them and for their family, we felt the Lord's deep love for them. And out of this situation, we then felt God's deep love for many Japanese people. This opened our eyes to see the great need of Japan that is behind the scenes, despite its success as the third largest economy in the world. After coming back to Northern Ireland, the Lord continued to put Japan on our hearts. He especially spoke to us through the death of a pastor of a church we knew in January 2011. This pastor also took his own life after going through a long period of depression. And once again, we felt a deepening burden to pray for Japan and for Japanese people. When on March 11, the massive tsunami hit Japan last year, we understood why the Lord has begun to impress Japan so deeply on our heart. We knew that he had prepared us for this, and he was also calling us back to serve him. As a result, we were led to spend three months uh, in one of the tsunami-stricken areas, uh, helping establish a new relief work uh, with, uh, that OMF was setting up in uh, the Iwate coastline area. As Cambodian, I have often felt I would naturally want to go back to serve the Lord in my country. And I continue from, to pray for my country and for Cambodian people. However, we believe that it is God's call, if it is God's call for us to serve him, to return to serve him in Japan, we should obey him. As we have prayed, God seems to be confirming that Japan is the place for us, uh, the place that we should be going. So we have decided to reapply to serve the Lord there uh, with OMF after I finish my uh, study at the Irish Baptist College, uh, God willing, next May. Sometimes I think in obeying God or in obeying the Lord's call to serve him in Japan, it is a way for Cambodia to give back the blessing to a nation which has given much to my country. So I hope that there will be something good out of Cambodia to bless Japan, perhaps other nations. We can't yet be sure, but think we may be ready to return to Japan in earlier 2014 uh, after some preparation. So we would appreciate your prayers as we are preparing to return and look to God to meet all our needs. And perhaps at this point, I ask Laura Jane to share with you a little bit more about her calling and also a little bit about the work that the Lord is doing in Japan. And thank you for your attention. May the Lord bless and be with you. There were many things that happened before summer 2001 that God was using to put Japan on my heart. But in that summer, I came back to the Bangor Worldwide Convention from Edinburgh Festival. And on the way to Edinburgh, I had been reading a newspaper article about a Japanese artist. I felt in reading that I was meeting a lady who was like a modern day Mary Magdalene. 
She was flamboyant, but she was trapped in mental and spiritual slavery. And that night, I couldn't help but pray a lot for her before I went to sleep. The next day, I went to see a Japanese poster exhibition in the festival, and I wandered from room to room in the gallery. To my surprise, I unknowingly entered a second exhibition that I didn't intend to be in, and standing in front of me was the artist I had been reading about. My heart suddenly seemed to be on fire, and as I went round looking at picture to picture, I could feel the Holy Spirit in me so strong, I thought it would almost explode. Um, everything in that room seemed to be challenging the loving God who created heaven and earth, who made human beings with value and worth so much that he gave his son for us. But I was on the verge of tears and I could hardly speak to her even though I really wanted to. I just felt a desperate longing to see her free and at the same time I felt a kind of anger inside me because I could see how Satan was holding her life in the grip of his darkness. And I felt compelled to write Genesis 1 verse 1 out in her visitor's book. And I tried to talk to her, but I could only take her hand and show her what I had written, and I had to leave. However, the next day I was standing at a bus stop, and across all the lanes of buses and cars passing, I saw her passing on the other side of the street. And at first I thought she hadn't noticed me. It was a lot of people and it was a busy street. But to my surprise, she turned round after she'd passed and she bowed very deeply across the street. And I was so captured that I bowed back <laughs> and realized suddenly that I'm in Edinburgh. <laughs> but God really stirred me through that experience. I've never met her again. But I came back and sat up in the gallery up there. And God was speaking to me through the message of Jonah. It was about how God loves people who are forgotten, rejected, people who are feared, or spiritually isolated, or trapped in idolatry, just as he loved the people in Nineveh in Jonah's day. And the speaker referred many times to Japanese people. And I knew that the Lord was speaking to me that I should go willingly. Um, after a long journey of wanting to go different places, I knew he was speaking clearly. And as a result, I spent the next eight years in Japan, and as you know, that's where I met Ho. Japan is a country of um, 130 million people. It's elegant and polite, highly developed, and people are thoughtful. It's outstandingly beautiful. And I had fallen in love with that side of the country as a teenager, and I still love it. But before my experience in 2001, I could honestly find hundreds of reasons why it made more sense to serve in places where people are in more obvious physical need and where people also seem to be more open to God. Short-term experiences in Japan had exposed me to some of the stresses of Japanese life because it's a culture where appearances really matter. In a small Japanese church where Christians live as a tiny minority of only 1% of the country, stress and weariness can sometimes replace joy in Christian lives and even in pastors and even missionaries sometimes. And being Japanese means you must conform to the way Japanese things are. That means fitting into social norms and family standards, following the Buddhist way, the Shinto way, um, working hard, trying to live well, get well educated, get as rich as you can. And what is not okay is becoming a committed Christian. It's okay to go to church for a hobby, 
for a little while, but if you decide to believe and follow Christ and be baptized, it is a really big step. It often means you will not get promotion in your work. It may narrow your prospects for marriage and it may cut you off from family members and friends. It's a big social cost for somebody to decide to follow Jesus. And yet we know, each of us here know, that it is a treasure, that the treasure of knowing Christ is worth everything. And whether it's for here on earth or for eternity, both in both ways, once we find that treasure, we know that it's worth holding on to and that the Lord will never let go of us. And so that is why, in one sense, um, Japan has remained very important for me and Japanese people. But Japanese, um, Japan as a country sits on uh, three major tectonic faults and everybody in Japan grows up practicing earthquake drills. But the tsunami that happened last year took everybody by surprise. Nobody could have imagined, and you probably shared in what you saw in the TV footage from people's own mobile phones, the disaster that, that struck their, their towns and villages. Around 1,500 people uh, were displaced and about 20,000 people lost their lives that day. And towns that were once lively are like bombed out ruins. And people often feel lost in that sense of despair, wondering how long recovery will take. How will they know that they're not forgotten by God who made them when they don't even know that there is a God? Soon after the tsunami, as Ho shared, we, we went there to join in the relief efforts and um, we were privileged to be able to distribute some of the goods that came in and also to facilitate teams that came. We went to, to run mobile cafes around temporary housing areas that were established. And we heard story after story of survivors whose lives were changed forever in those few minutes. Some were thankful to be alive, but others wished they had died with their loved ones. And hardly anybody we met had heard of Jesus. But this year, OMF has opened a center in a small town called Yamada. It is called Step by Step. And it serves as a community facility and a cafe at the moment in a town where little remains standing. And week after week, volunteer teams continue to go to help the long-term workers who have moved there. Recently, a team mainly from Northern Ireland went there to run a kids' gospel programme. And children made and flew kites with the word hope on them because the theme that week was about the hope that can be found in Jesus. The crisis of last March awakened Ho and I, as he has shared, to Japan's desperate long-term need in a new way. We had previously worked in Sapporo in the far north, and we met many people who, whose lives almost seemed to be on a tectonic fault because when a tremor happened, when something happened to shake their lives, um, often things really did fall apart. And mental illness and suicide and family breakup, paranoia, stress-related illnesses were so common and made people find the world a very scary place to be. One lady who came by and saw the text on our church um, notice board read these words, come unto me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And this is a really much needed message for modern Japan. Masami came into our coffee shop evening um, wearing a patchwork of clothes and pulling an empty suitcase, not really going anywhere, but still feeling she wanted to carry it around and evidently struggling to concentrate on anything. She was interested to read the Bible in English, but not in Japanese, but she didn't speak much English. And so that was quite difficult. And for some months, it, she just came and joined in without really understanding very much. 
At one point, she announced that she'd had enough of missionaries and she decided to leave um, and just kept in touch by email. But she moved to another town and there she met another missionary and she was invited to church and she went along. She moved house again and there she was invited to go to a Japanese Bible reading group. And for the first time she felt, I'm not really interested anymore in reading the Bible in English. I want to read it for itself to know what it's really saying. And sometime after that, she phoned us and uh, asked to meet us. What a change there was in her appearance. She was peaceful, she was dressed comfortably, and she wasn't pulling a suitcase. And she told us that she'd reached a point of wanting to believe in the word of God, but was still not confident. Clearly, the grace of God was at work. And just about a month ago, we heard that she had decided to clearly believe and be baptized. And she was baptized this month, no more holding back. And she's clearly trusting the Lord as her savior. And we're really excited to meet her again someday. Her suitcase represents to me the spiritual journey that so many Japanese people are on. They're lost and longing, but often not realizing what for. And Masami is one in 130 million Japanese people and she is one more treasure to Jesus. And we believe that God wants us to go back to be his witnesses to others like her, to be on the journey with them and share the gospel with them as they grow and as they seek him. And whether it is to the tsunami survivors or whether it is to a longer term um, situation like we were in before where people have just always not been aware of God, we want him to go and to be his witnesses, to speak about his creation, about his love, about his salvation, about the, the Lord who gave his life for them. And also, as our TVs no longer tell us about the crisis that happened last year, we pray that people like yourselves will not forget and remember to pray for Japan. It's not because Japan needs the gospel any more than anywhere else, but we should never think that just because people appear to have everything, that they need the Lord any less. One day we will all come face to face with him and it's not going to be about what we had or didn't have on this earth, but it's about our honest response to Jesus and what, he, what his gospel means. People need to hear about him before they can know him and receive his gift of eternal life. And since the tsunami, many people have prayed um, for Japan and Japanese people have often asked deeper questions than before about life and death. And so I would really encourage you to remember to pray for Japan. Pray that others will come and put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Pray for open and responsive hearts to the gospel. Pray for the compassionate response of the church worldwide and in Japan to the needs of Japanese people. Pray for Japanese people who come and live here, that they would meet Jesus through meeting people like you and other Christians here. And we would value your prayers for us as a family as we pre prepare to return to Japan. Thank you very much. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.